uh, because it certainly has been a blessing to study this out. Um, before we read our text tonight, I just figured let's have a little bit of fun tonight before we get into this, uh, because after all, we are compared to sheep. And so, y'all know I like corny jokes, okay? So just indulge me for a minute. Uh, what do you call a sheep on steroids? Anybody? A woolly mammoth. <laughs> what do you call a sheep covered in chocolate? Anybody? A candy. Bye. There, there they come. There they come. What is a sheep? What is their favorite newspaper? The Wool Street Journal. This is a good one. What do you call a Protestant sheep? There you go. I was like, Eric's going to get that one. That's it. (laughs) This is another one. Guys, y'all ought to see me in my office just looking these things up and then just laughing to myself. What do you get when you cross a sheep and a porcupine? An animal that can knit its own sweaters. <laughs> um, and then this is great. What do you call a sheep with no legs? A cloud. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's get, let's get serious. Uh, let's pray tonight. We're going to read the text. We're in verse 3 tonight. But let's pray and let's ask God's blessing. Lord, I love you. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your word tonight. And Lord, thank you for the work you're doing in my heart through Psalms 23. God, what an encouragement it has been. And God, I just pray tonight in some way, God, you would use me to be an encouragement to someone here. Um, Lord, you know our hearts, you know the, the, the things that we've carried in with us tonight. And God, uh, we know that you, can, uh, that you can alleviate those things and you carry them with us. You are for us. And we thank you so much for that. God, uh, please bless your word in these few moments we have in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's read Psalms 23 together tonight. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's people said, Amen. The title of the series we've been going through is Fear Less. Because much of our lives is consumed by fear and anxiety and worry. All of the things that come uh, with fear. In fact, most of what we have anxiety over or worry about never come to pass. Now, they've done all kinds of research on the things that we struggle with and the things we worry about. And often we worry about things that simply never take place. They never happen. We've been learning in this series that we can fear less because of the relationship we have with the shepherd. How many tonight are thankful to have a relationship with the shepherd? We can fear less because of the rest that the shepherd provides when we're stressed. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. 
And then tonight, we're going to see that we can fear less because of the restoration that the shepherd gives to the sheep. The focus of tonight's verse is restoration. I had to put a title on it. You see it on the screen there. Restoration for the rebellious. Restoration for the rebellious. When you hear the word restoration... What does what are some thoughts maybe that come to your mind? I'll share with you some of mine. As I was reading this this week, when I think of restoration, my mind goes to uh, an old beat-up house uh, or an old beat-up vehicle that needs to be restored. You see, that's the idea. You know, fixing up an old house, fixing up an old car, that's the idea of this word restores in our text. In the Hebrew, it means to make new again or to return to a former condition. See, the world, the world feels sure that freedom comes from being our, our own master, being our own Lord. But the Christian knows the greatest comfort in life and in death uh, is to know that you are not your own. Isn't that true? To know that we are not our own, but belong body and soul to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We've seen that we can fear less because of our relationship, our rest. But tonight, our restoration that the shepherd provides for us when we seem to wander away. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. I'm thankful the shepherd restores the rebellious. Here's the reality. For every person, 100% of us in this room, at some point in my life and yours, we're going to need each verse of this psalm. That's why it's important for us to keep this close. Because you are going to need this in your life. I'm going to need it in mine. Because this psalm deals with all of life, not just our time at death, but every day of our lives. And so we need to catch this powerful phrase that David gives us here and what he is saying. Right here in this one little phrase is so awesome and, and, and life-changing, humbling and uplifting. Notice it again. It says, he restores, for at the beginning of verse 3, he restores my soul. So let's stop and ask ourselves a question. What tense is David using here? Well, he's using the present tense. He restores my soul. David is saying that God has restored me many times in the past, and He will restore me many times in the future. Therefore, he uses the present tense and says, He restores my soul. And why is this so important? Now, why, why do we need this message tonight. If the shepherd leads the sheep, and we got the perfect shepherd. Amen. We, we have the perfect leader, perfect shepherd. Then that should be, wow, that's, that should be all that we need. Why would we ever need restoring? Because even though the shepherd leads us, even though we have the great shepherd, the perfect shepherd leading us, leading us isn't it often true that often we go astray? We often go astray. See, sheep are prone to being distracted and wandering off. And sheep, when they lose their way, listen to me, they don't know how to find their way back. They don't know how to find their way back. God led His people into the wilderness. Didn't God do all He can for His people, the Israelites, when He led them out of the Egyptian bondage to make Himself visible, to show them that He was with them, that He was going to meet their needs. 
that he was going to be with them through thick or thin. All they had to do was follow him. But we all know the story. They grumbled and complained. In their heart, they wanted to go back into bondage rather than follow the good shepherd. When they were about to enter the promised land, their faith faltered. Here's the problem. The Lord leads His people. But it's true of yourself and me that we don't often find it easy to follow. Because us, like the Israelites, we often want to go back into bondage rather than experience the freedom of following the shepherd. See, we we, we know the contradiction in our own lives. We love the Lord. But our heart wanders, our, our obedience wavers, our faith is often weak. And if, and it, look, and if our final salvation, now think about this, if it depended upon uh, our consistency of our following the shepherd, we would never safely arrive home. So I thank God for the wonderful truth that we're looking at tonight, that He restores my soul. Now notice, He restores my soul. Let's look at three encouraging facts tonight. The first one is this. The shepherd rescues us when we wander. The shepherd rescues us when we wander. What's the phrase again? Verse 3, the beginning of the phrase. Say it out loud with me. He restores my soul. We've been learning that God uses the image of sheep to describe His own people. And isn't it true, the more we see this, the more we realize why we are described as sheep. Because we often wonder... From the shepherd. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In Luke chapter number 15, Jesus tells the story about the good shepherd going after the sheep that was lost. You see, this is a story that tells us what a shepherd does for his own sheep. When he returns with a lamb on his shoulders, he says, Rejoice! With me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. You know, and often this parable is used to 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 reference the lost person, and no doubt it illustrates how Jesus saves unbelievers. But its first application is to sheep that belong to the shepherd, telling us that a shepherd's own sheep often wander and need to be brought back. Y'all remember the old hymn that says, "We are prone to wander." Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God that I love. When the sheep wanders, the shepherd goes after the sheep. Aren't you thankful that the shepherd goes after you and pursues you? Luke 15, 4, What many among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture, and go after the one that was lost until he finds it. He's not good with the, not just you know, the 99 others. Thankful they're in the pasture. But if one wanders off, the shepherd leaves the 99, goes after the one that's lost. What a picture of our loving Savior. Look, the same is true in the parable of the prodigal son. He is a son. He belongs to the Father. And in this whole story, he never ceases to be the father's son. This is our position as Christian believers. We are God's flock. We are his children. We are his sons, his daughters. We belong to the father. 
And when we're redeemed by the blood of Christ, we are new creations. And yet there remains in us an impulse to wonder. Like this lost son, like the lost sheep, we often seem to wonder. I want, you to, I want to point out a couple of things. Notice the why. The why of our rebellion. The why of our rebellion. Because every person in this room is rebellious on some level. Let's look at why we are rebellious. Look, we're thankful for new life in Christ, but we live in the flesh. We're thankful for new life in Christ, but we live this life in the flesh. Galatians 2.20, it says, I, I am crucified with Christ. I am being crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives within me. And the life I now live in the what? In the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live in the flesh, Paul said, I live by faith. So in that one verse, we notice the twin realities of Christian experience. We live by faith in the Son of God, but we live this life of faith in the flesh. God's saving work in us has begun, but it's not yet complete. We are not yet what we will be. Only when Christ returns and takes us home to glory will we fully be like Him. This is why Paul speaks to Christians and says... Us who are being saved, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, present tense. See, the process is ongoing. And until the day we arrive safely home, we have this, this tendency within us to wonder, to be rebellious against what God desires for our life. See, this is the reality of our Christian experience as it is right now. And David knew this. David knew this mightily. He loved God. He was a man after God's own heart, described in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. And yet there were desires, there were desires in his heart that overwhelmed him. It dragged him into self-destructive sins. If it weren't for the truth that we're looking at for tonight, now listen to me. Now think about this. If it were not for the truth we're looking at tonight, he restores my soul. David would be in hell tonight. His sins would have done him in. And our sins would have done us in as well. But here's the good news. The shepherd pursues us when we wander. He rescues us when we wander. He restores my soul. The why of our rebellion. But let's ask the question, what is this what is restoring my soul? What does this look like? This is a great truth. But how does he restore us when we rebel? So let's look at the, we've seen the why of our rebellion, but let's look at the what of our rescue. In the book of Revelation, seven churches are mentioned. The first being the church of Ephesus. This was a good church. It was a hard-working church. It was upright, discerning, and loyal. You see, it's possible to be all these things and lose your first love, Jesus Christ. It's impossible to have all of the appearances of being healthy spiritually when in reality you are destitute spiritually. Here's what's most alarming. When the sheep wander away from the shepherd, he doesn't know how to get back. So when you, like the church of Ephesus, lose your first love, Christ, you don't know how to get back either. You don't know how to make your way back. But David tells us the good news. The Lord restores my soul. And he does it by reminding us, number one, reminding us of what we have lost. He brings to mind what we have lost in Revelations 2.5. He says this to the church. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. 
Remember from where you have fallen. Restoration, listen to this. Restoration begins where defensiveness ends. We all have a tendency when we're rebellious to be defensive. And to try to justify what we are doing. And restoration spiritually in our life, it happens. It begins to happen when our defensiveness ends. With an honest recognition of what has been lost, restoration begins to take place in our life. Even though you may be hardworking, upright, discerning, and loyal, your hearts become cold. Your spiritual vibrancy is gone. Your energy, the enthusiasm you once had for Christ, it's not there. You weren't always like this. You can think back to times in your life when you were on fire for God. You were witnessing. You had. You were couldn't wait to get to church and serve God and use your gifts for His glory. And now that is just dissipated. It's gone. Your heart is cold. You're still going through the motions. You're still doing it. But your heart is cold. And the truth is, is that you've gone backwards. You've lost ground. You may have spent years trying to make your way back, but you can't seem to figure out how to get back. See, better things were once true of you and better things can be true of you again. The beginning of that restoration takes place by God recalling to our mind, remember from where you've fallen. The second thing he does is he calls to mind where we have fallen, but that leads us to repentance. You see this in the words of Christ to the church of Ephesus and you see it in the story of the prodigal son. He had wandered far from the life which he had been born. Anytime you read that story that Jesus tells you, understand he was privileged. He had a good life. And he left it to pursue his own thing. He was the son of a kind and loving father, yet he squandered all of his inheritance. He wasted his time, his money, and his strength. But then he remembered, the text says, My father's hired servants have more than enough bread to eat. But I perish here in hunger. He calls to mind. And what does that lead to? It leads to repentance because then it says, and he decides to go back. That's what repentance is. He makes a decision to go back to his father. Remembering leads to a change of mind. Repentance. See, God pursues us when we wonder by reminding us of what we have lost, leading us to repentance. I believe that might need to happen in some of the lives here this evening. In some of the lives in our church, you need to recall to your mind. God needs to bring to mind. He's trying to bring to mind what you have given up, where you have fallen from. And he decides, and he desires to restore you to that position. He restores my soul. I hope some would be humble enough tonight to say that's exactly what I need. I need God to restore my soul. Look, we all struggle. We all slide back at times. Maybe you've lost your first love for Christ. And you need Him to restore your soul. See, this is what our shepherd does. He restores his sheep. I want you to notice the second thing tonight. The shepherd rescues us when we wander, but also the shepherd renews us when we waver. What's the first part of verse 3 say again? Say it with me. He restores my what? Soul. He restores my soul. You know, sometimes we need to be restored because we've wandered off from the shepherd. The root of the problem lies in our sin and our foolishness. But there's more to God's work of restoration than rescuing us when we wander. 
A shepherd of many years described the condition in which sheep become cast. That means they've rolled over onto their back. It can happen when the sheep's fleece is long and heavy, and it can happen when it's carrying lambs. The problem in either case is the weight that the sheep is carrying. It becomes too much. And a sheep might would try to lie down on their side to get a quick breather. And if as long as they're on their side, all is well. But if it rolls onto its back accidentally, it will soon be in trouble. Because a sheep that's on its back has no idea how to stand back up. They cannot get back to their feet on their own. So it lies there helpless with its four feet flailing in the air. You see, when a sheep is on its back, it can't restore itself. Here's what this shepherd said. He said, as, as it lies there struggling, he says, gases begin to build up in the rumen. As they expand, they tend to uh, retard and cut off blood circulation to extremities of the body, especially the legs. He explains how the shepherd would restore a cast sheep, a sheep that because of the weight it's been carrying has fallen over and it cannot get back up. The shepherd says, I would have to lift her to her feet. Then straddling the sheep with my legs, I would hold the, hold the sheep up, rubbing her limbs to restore circulation to her legs. He said, often this takes quite a bit of time. Because when the sheep begins to walk again, she'll often... Uh, get disoriented and stumble and stagger and collapse in a heap once more. But little by little, as I mend the sheep, it, regra- it regains its equilibrium, its balance, and is able to then walk like it should. See, our shepherd restores us when we waver. See, there are many examples of wavering in Scripture, and I want you to notice a few of these tonight. See, faith can waver when we are, first of all, disoriented by injustice. We can get disoriented by injustice. Psalm 73, 2 says, My feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, Asaph said. Asaph was the worship leader of God's people in the time of King David. He wrote several psalms, and this one, He tells us about a time in his life when he almost gave up on his faith. He was dedicated to Christian ministry. He was leading others in worship. But it didn't seem to be doing any good. Evil and wicked people were prospering. And he didn't quite understand all that was going on. Because God was allowing the prosperity. So this injustice got to him. His faith began to waver. He became disoriented by injustice. This called him, caused him in his life, in this moment of his life spiritually, to fall over. And he couldn't seem to get back up. There's more to that story you'll hear it Sunday, because I'm preaching from Psalm 73. So you'll hear how the shepherd come alongside of him and rubbed his legs, restoring circulation, that allowed him to get back up and walk again. Disoriented by injustice. The second thing, faith can also waver when we're drained by conflict. 1 Corinthians 18 or 19.10 says, I, even only I, am left. I, even only I, am left. Do y'all remember who said those words? Anybody? 
Write this down. Elijah is who said those words. Elijah spoke these words after he engaged in a great struggle and it exhausted his strength. At one point in Elijah's life, it seemed like the whole world was against him. The king, the queen, the prophets, the Baal, uh, Baal, and even God's people who had given themselves to idols. Y'all remember, Elijah's the one who called down fire from heaven. It seems like you'd be on some kind of spiritual high after this. But not Elijah. He said, oh, I even only I am left. You see, standing for the truth. Now listen to me. How many believe tonight it's unpopular to stand on the truth of the Word of God? It's becoming increasingly unpopular to believe this from cover to cover and to adhere to what it says. And standing for the truth will wear on you. It will exhaust you. It exhausted Elijah in his day. God had stood with him when fire fell from heaven on Mount Carmel. Everyone knew that the Lord is God. But the conflict exhausted Elijah. And after that remarkable instance, we find Elijah alone in the desert under a broom tree. Here's a godly man quite convinced that his life has no useful purpose. He feels sure that the cause of truth is lost. He says, I even only I am left. His faith began to waver because of he was, he was drained by conflict. Look, faith can also waver. The third thing is this. Faith can also waver when we are disappointed by outcomes. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary when you're doing what's right, when you're doing good. This was the story of the believers in Galatia. Why would Paul encourage them in this way? They'd been working hard, and they were disappointed with the outcome. They had given themselves to ministry, but they had not seen the fruit that they had hoped for. And so disappointment drained their energy. They grew weary, and faith began to waver. These are uh, just a few examples among many that we have in Scripture about faith wavering, and all we read about were restored because the shepherd restores our soul. Look, the shepherd renews us when we waver. There's often weights we carry in our life that are very difficult for us to carry. And sometimes they cause us to stumble and fall. Sometimes they're so heavy we can't seem to make it back to our feet. But the good shepherd comes alongside of us. He lifts us up. He helps restore circulation. He helps us regain our equilibrium so we can now walk again and live for Him. I want you to notice number three tonight, and lastly, the shepherd restores us to himself. The shepherd restores us to himself. It's important to realize in our phrase we're looking at tonight, it is only the shepherd who restores wandering and wavering sheep and brings them home. We looked at three examples of wavering faith and in each of them, God used a different... Now, this is, this is neat to me, but in each of them, God used a different means to restore them. He knew them as individuals. So God, like any good parent, dealt with them differently, not the same way. In each of them, God, though, pursued. He drew near to them. We know that God gave Asaph assurance that there's going to be ultimate justice. They may be prospering now, but you hang on, Asaph... 
Time's going to go on and justice is going to be served. God showed Elijah that the cause of truth was not lost. There were thousands who had not bowed the knee to Baal and that a new generation was rising up and that he must prepare a successor. He encouraged Elijah with these words. God lifted the Galatians with the promise of a glorious reward. Look, the Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. So church, we don't restore ourselves. We don't have to wear ourselves out trying to fix everything. We can no more restore ourselves than save ourselves. God restores us. And He restores us through a fresh encounter with Himself in which God Himself draws near. Now, it might surprise you how God comes alongside of you in, in your life and uplifts you. He has many means of doing this in your life. But this you can be sure, when the Lord is your shepherd... He will restore you. He will restore your soul. He is able to restore you. God gave life to your soul. He is able to restore life to your soul. He made you alive in Christ. And He is able to keep you alive in Christ. Aren't you thankful when the shepherd, uh, the, when you wonder, the shepherd goes after you. He pursues you. He draws close to you. He doesn't leave you to yourself. We know this to be true from Hebrews 11 where it says, Whom the Lord loves, He chastens. He goes after them. Sometimes He punishes. Look, when you wonder, the shepherd goes after you. A couple of things to remember. He restores you gently. David said this. He said, Your gentleness made me great in Psalms 18.35. Now, when I read that, my mind just went to the shepherd rubbing the legs of the cast sheep. The gentleness of the shepherd. There's patience, tenderness, perseverance. Look, God loves us. God loves us. May God help us to never forget the love He has for us. He restores you gently, but He also restores you gladly. Because the shepherd himself goes after the sheep that's wandered away, puts it on his shoulders, and then brings it home rejoicing. Luke 15, 5 says in the story Jesus told of the lost sheep. See, God finds great joy in restoring his sheep that has wandered and wavered. Now I want you to think about this with me as we finish up. Right, we're done. We're finished right here. How is it that after all these years in your life, you are still a Christian today? With all of the injustice that's around you, with all of the conflict you have endured, with all of the sickness, pain, disappointments, delays, defeats that you have encountered, With all of the tragedies, all of the suffering, all of the, the demands that are placed upon you, after all of that, you're still a believer today. Why? There's only one explanation. Because the Lord is your shepherd and He restores your soul. God's restoration explains every person in this room Continuing in the faith. And God's restoration as we trust Him guarantees our arrival and glory. Aren't you thankful the Lord is your shepherd and that He restores your soul? Let's stand together tonight and let's pray together. Father, I thank You, Lord, tonight for this one phrase of Scripture that packs, packs so much power. God, thank you for rescuing us when we wonder, for renewing us when we waver. 
And God, thank you for restoring us to yourself. God, I'm thankful that that you go after us when we wander. God, there's so much in this life that distracts us and leads us away from you. But God, you just don't let us go. You pursue us. And so God, thank you. Lord, this phrase should humble us. It should excite us. Lord, it should help us each day of our lives. So, Father, I pray for each person here tonight. You know the weight they're carrying. And, God, there may be some here that are, that are uh, cast down at this moment. They, Lord, they feel defeated, discouraged. They don't know how to get back up. They used to have uh, spiritual energy that they no longer have. And, God, they've been trying to make their way back, but they can't. And so, God, I pray tonight that they would just trust you, the shepherd, to restore them. God, renew our spiritual energy and vibrancy within our church. Help us to give a heart, give us a heart, God, to serve and to make a difference in each life that comes through our doors. God, use us for your glory and your glory alone. Father, thank you. Thank you for restoring my soul, our souls tonight. Father, we love you. I'm going to ask Brother Eric to close us in prayer.